Well, hello, Rock Church. How's everybody doing? You guys good here today? So, so thankful for you guys and being here and that we can worship together. I want to obviously welcome everybody that I'm standing in front of here in Conway. But, but I want to give a special shout out right now. If you didn't know this, we've got our South Strand campus joining us live right now down at St. James High School. So we're thankful for those of you that are at South Strand and for those of you who might be watching online. And just so you know, if you are new with us, maybe maybe it's your first time at South Strand or maybe it's your first time watching online or maybe it's your first time here in Conway. You are part of what we call a multi-site church, that we meet in multiple locations all throughout Horry County. Uh, we have a campus in Ainer uh, that is happening right now as well. And uh, so when we gather, know that we're gathering in multiple locations. Uh, one thing I'm excited about at South Strand uh, well, I'm not going to say it yet because I don't know if Kevin has said it yet, but there's some exciting news coming to South Strand, and we'll let you know that about let you know about that later. For those of you in Conway, you'll have to wait till the end, and I'll tell you at the end. All right. Now, l- let me talk about this video for just a second. That. <clears throat> That we saw the Grinch and we saw Cindy Lou and we, we saw the Grinch not wanting to go in to a Christmas event because he didn't feel like he was dressed right or he didn't know people in there. So I'm just curious uh, across all of our campuses, I want you to raise your hand if this is true. How many of you all have ever had to go to a Christmas event with people you didn't want to have to go to a Christmas event with? Okay, yes, most of us. Some of you, it's with your in-laws, and you're not willing to admit it, but I'll say it for you. Um, Some of you, uh, it's with maybe some classmates, or uh, maybe it was with a a church event you had to go to. It could have been all kinds of things, but we've all been there. That in the Christmas season, we know that there's always Christmas gatherings, and it might be an office party, it might be a, um, a school party, it might be a family event, and in these events, there's people that you love to be with, there's people you have to be with, and then there's people you need to be with. You know what I mean? Like, like there's people you love to be with, like some of the people that you get to go and hang out with, maybe you've already have this month, or maybe you will over the course of the next seven days, that you're just like, I love being with them because they're like Santa Claus. Like, you know, you're going to get a good gift when you show up at their event. Or maybe they're like Frosty the Snowman, or, or maybe they're like, like Buddy the Elf and just always happy and life is good around them. Yet there's also the other people who you have to be with that, that how many of you all know that you're going to go to a party and the Grinch is going to be there? The grouchy person that nobody wants to be around. Like some of you are going to have to go to the event where the heat miser is there. You know, the angry guy who's angry all the time or the cold miser will be there. The guy who's just a little bitter. Like, I know I've lost some of y'all. Who, who knows what I'm talking about when I say heat miser, cold miser? Yes. Like, most of us were old who raised our hand, okay? That is my favorite claymation Christmas movie of all time. I just want you to know that. But, but, but the reality is there's some of you, you have people in your life who are just bitter, all right? They're like the cold miser or, or they're like... Um, 
Jack Frost, or they're, they're like, um, well, maybe they're like the wet bandits, like taken and stealing from you, or maybe like Corella DeVille, who's stealing from you, or, or maybe, maybe you know you're going to have to go to an event this week, and Cousin Eddie is going to be there, <laughs> right? Like, like it's just going to happen. And you're just like, I don't want to be around Cousin Eddie because Cousin Eddie is fun when I see him on the movie screen, but he's not fun in real life. But you have Cousin Eddie in your life. Like, it's just real. So what do we do with that? Like, when we're in this season where we say, I just want to find Christmas. Like, I just want to find Christmas. I just want to have that feeling of Christmas. I just want to have the traditions of Christmas. Yet, while I do it, I'm going to have to be with people I want to be with, don't want to be with, and, have, and get to be with, and need to be with. So how do I do it? Well, I want to show you a group of people today. And inside this group of people, we're going to see some people. Uh, chances are they were probably some people that were younger, all right, we don't know their exact ages, but just based off how long they lived and the time that we hear about them at first, chances are they're probably between 25 and 40. Um, we call them the 12 apostles, or you might call them the 12 disciples. And I want us to learn from them because what you'll actually see is 12 guys, and then there were some women, and then there were some other disciples as well that they had nothing in common, yet they found Christmas together. And there's going to be some people that you're going to be with this week that maybe you don't have a lot in common with, but you can find Christmas together. Right? And, and for us to do that, the first thing we've got to do is we've just got to figure out who these 12 apostles, who these 12 disciples are. And we're going to look at it from the book of Mark. They're, they're actually mentioned several times in what I call the biographies of Jesus or the gospels. But we're going to pull it from the book of Mark, the third chapter. Uh, Mark was the, the first biography that was written about Jesus. And uh, so we're going to go to his, his telling of it. And this is what he had to say. He said, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to, to him those he wanted, and they came to him. Uh, he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and have authority to drive out demons. Now, I'm going to spend a lot of time on that later, all right? We'll come back to that part. Going on, it says this. These are the 12 he appointed, Simon to whom he gave the name Peter, which actually means rock, all right? Let me talk about Peter for a second. Again, with each of these disciples, I want to I tell you a little bit about them. That, that with Peter, um, his name was Simon, but Jesus changed his name to Peter because he was given him a nickname, and the nickname meant the rock. And, and what Peter did is, well, how do I best describe him? Um, he was a loud mouth. He was um, type A. Uh, he was constantly putting his foot in his mouth. He was, he was thinking, um, excuse me, he was acting before thinking. Like he was the guy who was saying, ready, fire, aim. You know anybody like that in your life? 
Like some of you are that person. You know what I mean? That, that you're type A. If you were to take a DISC test, you would be uh, a D on the DISC test. If you took the Enneagram, you would probably be a three. That's who Peter was. And, and he was constantly opening up his mouth, speaking before thinking. Well, let me tell you about a couple of the other disciples. Here's a couple more. It says, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To them he gave the name Bonerges, which means sons of thunder. All right, now, now let me stand here for a little bit and talk about these guys. Now remember, he just nicknamed Peter the Rock, and now he's nicknaming these guys sons of thunder. Like, like, I, like I feel like we're at a WWE event. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we got the Rock, and now we got sons of thunder. Well, what does that mean? Well, with sons of thunder... Um, if you go to the Aramaic, it really means sons of rage. So, so Jesus is describing these guys, that he's saying that, that they are the sons of thunder, that they are the sons of rage. Like, like if we were to put this in 2022 language, we wouldn't say sons of thunder. We wouldn't say sons of rage. You know what we'd say? Sons of... Now, I'm going to leave it there, Trent, Okay. But that's like, like, now Jesus wouldn't have said that, obviously, but that, if 2022 language, that's what that would have been. He was saying, these are some mean, nasty dudes who have anger issues. Like, picture WWE dudes. Picture a, a couple guys in a biker gang. That's probably what you've got. Let me go on a, a little bit further. It says this. Then there was Andrew and Philip, and Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Again, let's take some time with this. That Peter was the rock, James and John were sons of rage, and then, then we have Andrew. Andrew, what do we know about Andrew? Honestly, we don't know a whole lot. But what we see in Scripture all the time is that Andrew was constantly bringing people to Jesus. I mean, it's a beautiful thing about Andrew. That Andrew would basically say, let me get close to you because then I want to take you close to Jesus. That, that it, was, it was that simple. That, that, that everything we see about Andrew is like, hey, Peter, let me take you close to Jesus. Uh, a young boy with, a, with a, a sack lunch, let me take you close to Jesus. With Philip, we see the same thing, that he's saying, let me take you to Jesus. He took uh, Nathan, uh, excuse me, Nathaniel uh, to Jesus, all right? Uh, there's some other guys that are mentioned that, that we also have uh, Bartholomew, which we don't know a whole lot about him, except that he was flayed alive. But then we have Matthew. Let me talk to you about Matthew for a second. Matthew was a tax collector. Matthew was a hated individual. Nobody liked Matthew because Matthew was the guy who was taking their money and giving it to the Romans. That, that that's what Matthew did. And and you got to understand, the Romans weren't their government. Like, like, none of us enjoys getting our tax bill. Nobody in November, when you got your property tax bill, was like, sweet, it's here. 
Like when, the, when it's time to pay income taxes, you're not excited. When you get that little letter from the county that says your license plate taxes are due, you're not going, oh, I was waiting for this. But, but here's the difference. We're paying taxes to a government that, that, that we're at least part of. These guys are giving taxes to a government that has come in and taken over their land. So, so Matthew is working for the Romans, so all the Jews despise him. Well, then we also have Thomas. Thomas was a guy who some people would call the doubter. That with Thomas, he was a guy that, that when Jesus had rose from the dead and showed up to the other disciples, Thomas wasn't in the room. And when they're like, dude, Jesus rose from the dead, you won't believe this. Thomas like, uh-uh. Unless I can put my finger into his wrist and into his side, I won't believe. And because Thomas said that, everybody's like, he's doubting Thomas. Like, how many of y'all have ever heard him called doubting Thomas? Right? Like, like if you've been in church, that's just what we call him. Yet I don't think that's a very fair nickname. That he is basically saying, I want to see Jesus and I want proof of the resurrection. I want you to know there's nothing wrong with asking for proof of the resurrection. Because there's plenty of it. And if you're this gen, I don't want you to ever think, well, I'm not allowed to ask questions. Or I'm not allowed to doubt. No, no, you can. Just ask them in the right way, like Thomas did. All right? Uh, Besides Thomas, that, that there's also James, son of Alphaeus. Now, his nickname was actually James the Less. How would you like to be called James the Less? You've got James, son of thunder, and James the less. Like right now, you're like, okay, guess I'm not very important here. And some people say that they called him James the less because he was short, which I say, let's go. Power to the little people, okay? For some of you who are little with me, we're good, you know what I mean? Um, But... Others say they would call him James the Less because of his humble state, that, that he was humble. Uh, then, then we also have uh, Thaddeus, which is Nathaniel. Um, then you have Simon the Zealot. L- let me talk to you about Simon the Zealot for a second. That, that what Simon the Zealot was is he was a guy who was extremely political, that, that he had religious beliefs, but, but his political beliefs trumped his religious beliefs. And what he did is he went and he was against the Romans and in his zeal, he was looking at how do I get rid of the Romans? How do I kill the Romans? How do I get them out of our land? That, that Simon was a guy that hated Rome and everything about Rome. And then there was Judas. Now Judas is a guy who ended up betraying Jesus. Judas is a guy that was like, yes, Jesus, I'm all in. But the more that he heard Jesus talk, he said, well, your speech, what you're saying doesn't line up with my beliefs. So what Judas said is, I'm going to stick to my beliefs rather than what you're saying. That Judas's erroneous view of scripture led him to live a life against Jesus Christ. I want you to see that. Not just Judas, though. I want you to see Simon the Zealot, whose politics were above his faith. 
I want you to see sons of thunder who were full of rage. I want you to see Peter who spoke without thinking. What I want you to see is a bunch of disciples, 12 apostles, who really had nothing in common. See, there was a time where Jesus said, I'm going to send you out two by two. And my guess is that he said, hey, James, son of thunder, and James the less, you all go together. Hey, Simon the zealot and Matthew, the guy who used to work for the Romans, you two are paired up. Let's see how this goes. Because Jesus was about putting people who had nothing in common together so that they could do what he was calling them to do. And what was he calling them to do? Follow him. We see that very clear in scripture. It reads this way. It says, come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. There, there's two things that are said here. Come, follow me. That basically he was saying to these 12 guys, I want you to follow me, which means he's saying, I want you to recognize me as your master. And then once you recognize me as your master, I want you to live on mission. I will send you out to fish for people. And these 12 guys and some ladies and some other disciples who had nothing in common came together. They found Christmas together because what they ended up doing was they recognized Jesus as a master who gave them a mission. And I want us to do the same thing. I want us to find Christmas together. And I believe that is going to happen when we see how Jesus did it. Because he actually gave them three specific things to do as they were together. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn it over to Kevin at the South Strand, and he's going to talk about those three things. And I'm going to continue on here and to our online crowd. What are the three things that we see? Well, like in these 12 disciples, what, what are the three things that they did that made it where they could put their differences to a side and come together? Because some, remember, love to be with one another. Like you can imagine James and John, they were brothers. They probably loved to be with one another. That Peter and Andrew, they were brothers. They loved to be with one another. You would at least assume so. There was those, though, that had to be together, like Matthew and Simon the Zealot, all right? That, that, that Judas, my guess is after a while, people are like, something's off with that cat, because there's something off with every cat. <laughs> That's not in the notes. I don't know if you're translating at the 1130, but I don't know if it'll last. But anyway, um, but you see what I'm getting at? Like, what brought them together? Well, first, they just simply were together. That I want you to think about the people that you love to be with, have to be with, and need to be with this Christmas season. And the first thing you got to do is be together. I know that sounds simple, but, but that's what you have to do if you're going to experience Christmas together. If you're going to find Christmas together, you got to get together. Uh, go back to Mark chapter 3. It reads like this. I read this verse earlier. It says, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed the 12 that they might be with him. 
That, that it starts just that simple. That Jesus said, I want you to follow me. I want you to be with me. And so for three years, these guys who had nothing in common came together and for three years walked with Jesus. For three years, they ate together. They camped together. They, they fought together. They served together. And it wasn't all perfect, all right? When you're with somebody, it's not always perfect. They argued. They argued over who would be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. They argued over who got to sit at Jesus' right and left. They argued over um, who got the better role or who got the better ministry. They argued over somebody who was worshiping Jesus. A, a lady named Mary was anointing the feet of Jesus. And a couple of them were like, stop her. She can't do that. Don't let her do that. That they argued. Yet, because they had a master who had given them a mission, they figured out ways to have conflict resolution. And we need to do the same. Like there's people that you're going to have to be with this week and you don't want to be with them, yet you need to be with them and you have to be with them and figure out a way to have conflict resolution. Because it's not always going to be perfect. As people, though, what we often do is when somebody upsets you, you're like, I'm out. Not going to that Christmas event. Not going to that family outing, not going to that office party, not going to that church event, because we're like, I've got conflict with this person, and rather than coming together, and especially if they're a Christian, and you're a Christian going, we have a master who has given us a mission. Let's get unified underneath the lordship of Jesus Christ and carry out the mission that he's given us. That we've got to be together with people you want to be with, that you have to be with, and with people you need to be with. See, let, let's, let's not forget that there's people who, who right now aren't going to find Christmas this year. Oh, they might find a tree, and they might find some presents, and they might have a great family time, but they're not going to find Christmas. And they need to find Christmas. And it's up to those of us who are in this room or watching online right now, for those of us who know Christmas, meaning we know Christ, that we've got to make sure we invite them to the table. And see, the disciples, when they started following Jesus, they were like, oh, this is good. We've got our little, little group, and we get to hang out with Jesus, and life is great, until all of a sudden a bunch of crowds started showing up. And when the crowd started showing up, they're like, Jesus, we're tired. Will you send them away? And he's like, no. There's a time they're gathering for dinner, and all of a sudden, people start showing up. And Jesus like, come and sit at my table. People who were nothing like Jesus, who knew nothing of Jesus, wanted to be with Jesus. And you have people in your life who are nothing like Jesus, who know nothing of Jesus, yet there's something in their heart that longs for them to want to be with Jesus. And they're not going to get there unless you come alongside of them and say, I need to spend some time with you. And I hope that you, I hope myself, that we will find people this year over the next seven days that need to be together, and then we'll invite them to the table. We've got to be together, 
We've got to serve together. Look back at that verse, all right? It reads like this. It said, he appointed the 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. See, see those words? I put them in caps for you. Send them out. That basically what Jesus is saying is, I've called you together to be with me, and now I need to send you to go and serve. And the way you serve is, well, first you preach. That, that he took the guys and he said, I'm sending you out to preach. Go out into the streets. Go out and stand on a street corner. Go out and sit with somebody. Now, now make sure we catch this. Preaching doesn't mean standing on a stage with a microphone. That's one thing I do, but we all preach. When we go out and we have a cup of coffee with somebody and we tell them about Jesus, or we're at the gas station and we're pumping gas and we tell somebody about Jesus, or we're in the locker room and we're telling a teammate about what Jesus has done in your life, that preaching happens anytime you open up your mouth and tell somebody the good news of Jesus Christ. So we need to preach, we need to serve by preaching, and we need to serve by helping. The last part of that verse said that he sent them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. And you might read that and go, okay, what, what, what's that mean? All right? Well, well, it means exactly what it says back then, to drive out demons, that people were dealing with demon possession. It still happens today. I know in America, it doesn't seem like we deal with that as much, but there is still spiritual warfare going on every day, every hour, every minute, every second. There are, there are demons that oppress, there are demons that tempt, and we need to help people. And the way you help people with that is connect them to Jesus. But it's not just that. I want you to look at the verse in a broader scope, that what Jesus was saying is he sent them out to help people. And that's what we simply need to do. Like, what would it look like the, over the next seven days if we said, I'm just going to serve. I'm going to go out and serve people by helping them. Then I'm going to go to this event and there's going to be somebody there that I have to be with. I'm just going to serve them. I'm just going to come alongside of them. I'm going to let them get in line and I'm going to let them get the macaroni and cheese before I get it. And that can be a hard ask, right? Because the cheese on top of the mac and cheese, like I want that for me. But we have to be willing to serve people. Obviously, I mean a little deeper than that. That, that maybe it's going and grabbing a, an angel tree and, and taking your kids and saying, how do we go out and buy a gift for some other family? I heard about a fifth grade teacher this week that she had all of her students um, write Christmas cards uh, to some senior citizens who, who were in a nursing home. That's a way to serve together. Uh, maybe for you, it's calling Salvation Army this week and say, is there any place that, that they need a bell ringer? And going with your people, whoever your people is, maybe it's some college friends, maybe it's your kids, whoever it is, and go and just ring a bell for a while. What would it look like to serve? You see, when we serve, here's what happens. You find Christmas, and so do others. Like, I love, I love seeing people serve here at church, because I love seeing what happens. Like, I love on, on Sunday mornings at about 8 o'clock, 
those who uh, serve at our 8 o'clock greeting team, they all come together and they have a big huddle and they're cheering on one another, they're celebrating, they're sharing prayer requests, and they're coming together. They're people from all different walks of life, but as they do that, they're finding Christmas together. I think about our region ministry. If you don't know about our region ministry, it's a, it's a recovery ministry that is based on discipleship. And I can tell you right now, and there's several of you in the room who go to it, you know that that's a bunch of people from all walks of life. But as people come together, you get together, then you serve together, and together you find Christmas. You find Jesus. So I want to encourage you, whether you're serving inside the church or outside the church, be like the disciples and be together and serve together this week. And then one last thing worship together. That that if you look at these 12 guys, they were with Jesus for three years. They served together with Jesus for three years. And then they also worshiped together. And what I mean by that, there was times they were, they were singing, they were, they were part of church service, they were going to the temple, or, or they would have went to an area where they would have worshipped, and, and I love the singing aspect of worship. I love that we gather together as a team. I love that we have musicians and artists who, who come and serve every Sunday or Thursday night and help lead us in worship. It's a beautiful thing. But if we think that's what worship only is, we're missing the mark. That's only one aspect of worship. See, another aspect of worship is just listening to God's word. Another aspect of worship is praying together. Another aspect of worship is sitting with the Lord. So when you see these disciples that, yeah, they sang, but they also looked at God's word together. They prayed together. They sat together. That they worshiped together. But then it went a step further than that. And this is where it gets a little harder. That that worship is not just about those things, although those are great things. But let's admit it, those are kind of easy. And you might think, oh, reading my word is hard. No, it's not. It just takes a commitment to do it. Like, it's not hard. Living out what you read, that's the hard part. Amen? Like, it's easy to read it. It's a whole nother thing to say, I'm going to do it. It's one thing to pray. It's a whole nother thing to go and do what you feel like the Lord has told you to do through your prayer. See, worship is not just about singing or reading or praying. Worship is about surrendering every little bit of your life, every square inch of your life, every dream, every ideology, every belief, saying, Jesus, I surrender it to you and your will. That's worship. And that's what these guys all did. Look how Mark wraps up the chapter, Mark chapter 3. He said, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. It says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. That he's saying you've got to serve together, but then you've got to totally surrender your life. And then it finishes like this. It says, whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother 
Guys, it was Jesus who was saying this. That Jesus was saying, if you do my will, then you're my people. And I don't know about you, but I want to be included in the people of Jesus. That's what I want. And I know that means me saying, I'll do your will. And that's difficult. But when we come together and we be together and we serve together and we worship by surrendering our lives, well, then we're living out the will of God. And it changes everything. Look at Peter. Remember Peter. Peter's the guy who opens up his mouth all the time. Peter's the guy who just says what is ever on his mind. Peter's the guy who is constantly slipping up. Yet Peter is the guy that Jesus said, go build my church. And he lived the rest of his life on mission for God to the point that he was persecuted and crucified upside down. And think about James and John, sons of thunder, sons of rage, hotheads. John wrote several books in the Bible. The last three, or the three at the end, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. You know what they're known as? The epistles of love. If you read them, it's all about love. How does John go from a hothead who is a son of rage to being a disciple of love? How does Simon the Zealot go from wanting to kill Romans to wanting to save Romans? How does Matthew look at his tax collector booth and sees all of his money, his retirement, everything, and says, I'll cash it in and I'll follow Jesus? How does Thomas, who is considered a doubter, say, I will take the gospel and his church tradition holds the furthest of any of the disciples? because he took the gospel all the way down to the southernmost tip of India. How do they do that? Why do they do that? How do they help each other and do all that together? Because they found a master who gave them a, gave them a mission. They were together. They served together. They worshiped together because they had a master who gave them a mission. And I'm going to challenge you in this time of response. Surrender to the master and listen for his mission. Surrender to the master. Come, follow me. Maybe you're here today and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. Today's the day. Come, follow me. Let Jesus be your master. That he surrendered his will. He surrendered his life. He went to the cross and gave his life as a ransom for you. How about you give your life back to him? Come, follow me. Jesus, I'll give up everything everything, my mind, my thought, my beliefs, and I'll surrender it all to you. Or will you be like Judas who said, no, I'm going to hold on to what I want to hold on to. And he walked away. Come, 
follow me, the master, Jesus, and then live out his mission. Go and fish. How do we do that? Be together like we are right now. Be together at Christmas dinners. Be together at Christmas parties. How do we do that? Serve together like we do right now. Serve people at Christmas parties, at family outings. How do we do that? We worship together like we are right now. We worship together when we're at home. We worship together when we're at school. We invite people to worship with you who don't know. So you're going to be with people you love to be with, that you have to be with, and that you need to be with. Point them to the master because he's got a mission for you and for them. Why don't you stand with me? I'm going to go into a time of prayer, and then we're going to worship together. Your worship might be taking communion, which is on the front. Your worship might be taking a step of baptism. We're going to serve together, and we're going to be together. Jesus, we come before you, and we thank you right now for all that you've done for us. And we just ask in this moment that we will surrender to you as our master. That we'll just surrender to you as our master. And that we will follow your mission. In Jesus' name. Spend some time pausing and singing along as you catch on to the words.